Hi, I'm Allie Raisman. I've been living with migraine for a while. As an athlete and gymnast, I was taught to just power through the pain. Now I use Ubrelvi or Ubrojapan to treat my migraine attacks. As soon as I feel a migraine attack, I take Ubrelvi, which provides me with quick relief. Once I get relief, I go on with my day. I'm partnering with Ubrelvi to share my migraine story. Ubrelvi quickly stops migraine in its tracks within two hours without worrying where you are. Most people had quick pain relief within two hours. Ubrelvi treats migraine attacks in adults and is not for prevention. It's available by prescription only. Do not take Ubrelvi with strong CYP3A4 inhibitors. Tell your healthcare provider about all the medicines you take. Most common side effects are nausea and tiredness. My hope is that by sharing my migraine story and the relief I get from Ubrelvi, it can help someone else. Ask your doctor about Ubrelvi, the anytime, anywhere migraine medicine. Learn more at ubrelvy.com or call 844-4-U-B-R-E-L-V-Y. Sponsored by AbbVie. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, not you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an illegal no. thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who do we have tonight? I, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. We have been inundated and when I say that, it's a, it's a very positive thing, with your audio questions about the predators I've caught here in our podcast. And this kind of came about in a discussion between Joe Garner and Steve Cohen, my two producers. And Joe had the idea of, you know, maybe we should have people ask questions and make it interactive. And, and so initially people were writing their questions in emails. And then we thought, well, Maybe we should have them actually send it an audio file. And it has been difficult to keep up, honestly, with all the great questions you guys have been asking. And we try to do one at the end of every episode. And as you know, each episode profiles one specific predator I've caught. But we did want to take time because we will not get to all the questions if we just do one per episode. So we're going to start occasionally doing an episode where we just take your questions, which I think is a cool idea. So that's what we're going to do on this episode. It also, just to give you a little insight, allows me to do two episodes in one session. 
because as you hear this, I will be on a short getaway with my lovely new wife, Gabrielle, in a warm climate. So I get ahead by one episode. Not that I don't love you all, not that I don't look forward to doing this. I do very much. It's a big part of my week. And I thoroughly enjoy it. Actually, it's the therapy I've never had talking about these cases. But for the limited purposes of this week, I'm going to do two in a row. And most podcasters, I think, do four, five, six in a row at the studio. I like to do one at a time because I immerse myself in the material as opposed to just, you know, write a script and read it. I think that's more interesting. Anyway, if you have any questions about any of that, you can send me a question <laughs> with an audio file at chris at predatorpodcast.com. Anyway, let's get to the questions. The first one is from Frankie in Staten Island. This is Frankie from Staten Island. Chris, I'm a big fan of all the work you've done in the past and this podcast. But do you see a network maybe picking up uh, to catch a predator again and doing uh, new episodes sometime in the future? Is that a possibility? Thanks. Thank you, Frankie. And I'm glad you asked that question from Staten Island, just across from where I'm sitting right now in Manhattan. Uh, Yes, there will be another Predator series. And as we speak, and I've spoken about this a little bit here on the podcast, but we actually have put together a sizzle. I have a production team in place. We've shot uh, a couple of different investigations and I have a production team in place. We've shot a couple of different investigations and have more in the works. And we are in the course of meetings with networks, one specifically. And I hope to hear in the next few weeks that we are greenlit to go ahead and shoot this series. I can't tell you which network it is right now, but it's a major one. One uh, with which I've worked before and we've sorted out budgets and it's a, a new version of the predator investigations and so much more going after other types of predators and very excited at the potential here. So I'm confident that even if this particular negotiation doesn't result in a show, that there are other interested networks that will get involved. And I think we're weeks away. Now, the big question is, when can I make the announcement? And the networks like they have some say in this, obviously. And I have to be careful because I get so excited about these projects that I like to talk about them. And sometimes I have to be careful not to talk much about them. But I will let you know the moment I can. But yes, Frankie, it is in the works. And thanks for checking in. And thanks for listening to Predators I've Caught. This next question I have heard a lot, and it's a good one because it's uh, something that we've experienced numerous times over the course of the last 17 years of doing these investigations. This one comes from Corey in New York. Hey, Chris, this is Corey from Richmondville, New York, and I had a question for the podcast, but before I ask it, I just wanted to say I really enjoy the new intro you did for the last episode with uh, South Bay Guy. I was just bored. And my question is, have you ever had pizza delivery people or mail delivery people show up to the Predator houses while you guys were investigating? I was thinking about that while I was watching one of your episodes on YouTube, and I just thought it'd be an interesting question. Anyway, I love all you you do, and thank you. Thanks for that, Corey. 
And uh, thanks for the compliment on the new intro. We like it too. I'm glad you do. Yes, we have had some funny moments in the course of these investigations with unexpected people showing up. We never had a pizza delivery guy show up. We have these shoots catered so we don't have to leave. Obviously, some of these predators will do surveillance and so we don't want to be coming and going. But we've had mail deliveries. We have had FedEx show up and we try to grab the package as quickly as possible and put it aside for the homeowner. And we've also had some utility meter readers show up out of nowhere, lurking about. In one time, we actually had a guy skulking around the house who we thought was a predator. And we couldn't figure out which one. He didn't match the profile of anybody we had coming. And this is possible. I mean, maybe he gave us a different profile to cover his tracks for some reason. And this guy's walking around the house. And it turns out he was with the energy company. And all he wanted to do was, was uh, read the meter, which he did. Everybody stayed calm and uh, off he went. But that's about the closest call we had. Sometimes the neighbors will peer over, have questions about something going on. But we try to set up in a very controlled environment. We try to set up so this doesn't happen. We try to set up so it's obviously first and foremost a safe environment. And we try to set up where we're just not going to bother anybody. In the air. And most of the time we're successful. But Corey, thank you for checking in. Thanks for your compliment on the newish open. And uh, let's stay in touch. This next question is something I've asked myself on many occasions. And it's very insightful and comes from Marshall, who's from Syracuse, New York. Let's take a listen. Hi, Chris. My name is Marshall Rosshow from Syracuse, New York. I've been a fan of TCAP for several years now, and I've always thought of questions that I'd like to ask you if given the chance. And here's the question I want to ask you today. Let's say you were given the chance at a do-over, a chance to redo an interaction you had with one of the predators you caught. Maybe it was an interview that you look back on and say, you know, I really wish I could have asked them this. Or maybe there was a predator that you never got the chance to even interview and wished you could have. Which predator comes to your mind and tell us why that is? Thank you, Chris. Stay happy, stay healthy, and keep doing what you're doing. That is an excellent question and something I run through my own mind over and over again. And I think there are obviously a number of predators where knowing what I know today, I'd like to have a redo. But the reality of this kind of investigation is you got one shot and you have to be as prepared as you can be. And it's not always easy because you have the transcripts you have. And sometimes you don't have the complete transcripts. Sometimes those aren't available for days after the actual confrontation. Sometimes you have them all. Sometimes they're so voluminous, you just don't have the time to go through them all. So you're sort of hunting and picking through them. 
But I think out of all the hundreds of predators I've caught, the one I'd like another chance at would be Maurice Wollett. He's the doctor who surfaced in our investigation in Petaluma, California. Wolin worked for a company that was on the cutting edge of cancer cure technology. And he went by the screen name Tall Dreamy Doc. We've done an episode on him here. He died uh, recently, took his own life. And the scenario was this. Wolin had been chatting with two different underage girls for several days. And he shows up on a Saturday morning at our stinghouse in Petaluma. Now, we were set up in the backyard. There was a little hot tub we had set up. There was a bar, and there were drinks out on the bar. And Wolin comes in, and he's antsy and nervous. He's about 49 years old at the time. And this guy's got a lot to lose by doing what he's doing. And he pours the drink. It's like a frozen drink from the pitcher into the margarita glass. And it spills all over the bar counter. Now, he's okay with the fact that he's there to sexually assault a child. But he's nervous about leaving a mess on the bar. So he proceeds to go try to find a towel. Unfortunately for me and the crew, where he goes to find the towel is our hiding spot, which is tucked into a corner of the patio. I'm standing there. There's a television crew that's going to stay hidden until after I walk out to do the confrontation and a big sound man with a big boob mic. Well, Wolin comes around the corner and sees, first of all, the sound man and the big boob mic. Then he looks at me. I look at Wolin. We lock eyes. And he starts to hot-foot it out of there. Now, I pursue him, and I say, you know, Dr. Wolin, Maurice, we need to talk to you. Hey, 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 stay there, stay there, stay there. And he isn't, I can't use my magic powers of, forcing somebody to have a seat. So he leaves and goes through the garage where he's busted by the sheriff's department and the rest of the law enforcement team assigned to this investigation. And they take him away and he throws his keys down, his glasses down, and he's arrested. Later, he gets on the phone, calls his wife and says, meet me at the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department at the jail, bring $30,000 and not our children. So he fights this case for years, hires a very high-powered lawyer to take on both NBC and the criminal matter. And ultimately, he's found guilty. It's a sentence. And he's never really the same, by all accounts. And sadly, just recently, took his own life, leaving behind his wife and his daughters, who essentially stood by him throughout it all, which is pretty amazing. Anyway, I would have loved to have had Maurice Wallet on the stool there to ask questions. And I can't guarantee you that he would have talked to me. But he strikes me as the same sort of personality as the teacher who surfaced in Riverside County, who initially didn't want to say anything, but then thought he was so smart, like the rabbi and Virginia, so smart that they could talk their way out of it, that they could rationalize it and they could cut some sort of a deal. And that's what I think would have happened with Maurice Wallen, but I'll never know. But that is definitely probably on the top of my list of predators I've caught who I wished I could have interviewed. There are others. Michael Gentile, 
Jesse Velez. Jesse Velez's chat was so dirty and nasty. This was in Fairfield County, Connecticut. And I didn't have the chat in front of me. So I was shooting from the hip. And it was interesting and telling. And I did know that he had sent a picture of his penis. So I confronted him with that. That's the famous line. We did that just a couple of weeks ago, that episode. But I think number one would be Maurice Wallen. Thanks for that, Corey. More of our story in a moment. This next question is one that I get very, very frequently. And I spent a lot of time researching the answer. So I think it's important that we address it. And it comes from Colin in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Chris. Colin here from Columbus, Ohio. Huge fan. And thanks for everything you do. So I came into some information on a TCAP forum and was wondering if you have any more information about it. It's in regards to Dwayne Chisholm slash Loverman Genius. I found an article detailing a case in which a Jerome Chisholm was arrested for allegedly assaulting his girlfriend's young daughter. The case seems to be from 2005, which is obviously prior to his appearance on the show. And I was wondering if, A, if this is the same Jerome Chisholm that was on the show, B, if so, were you perverted justice or the police aware of this case when the stink took place? And if you were, why was it not mentioned on the show or podcast? Just wanted to say thank you again for your awesome work, and I love the podcast, and I look forward to any future projects you have planned. Well, Colin, thanks for your awesome question, and it's one that I've gotten before and one that we had to research pretty thoroughly because, as you can imagine, if it turned out that, you know, Dwayne Chisholm, lover man, genius, genius spelled wrong, some genius he was, did commit that crime prior to him surfacing in our Jersey Shore investigation, Ocean County, New Jersey, that would be very, very significant, and it also would have impacted his sentencing in the case in our investigation on the Jersey Shore. So we were aware of this during our Jersey investigation or just after we actually did the investigation. And it turns out that the Chisholm that you're talking about, who was convicted of molesting his girlfriend's child in around 2005, is a different guy. Now, It triggered a whole investigation on our part because, you know, it was out there and it was a public record and the guy is about the same age, although it wasn't in New Jersey, is is my recollection. It was uh, in Carolina someplace, but it did get our attention and I ran it down thoroughly the first time and then it came up again recently when we did the Dwayne Loverman Genius Chisholm podcast episode. So it was not him. As far as we know, Chisholm is living in New Jersey. He was a former personal trainer who I interviewed on the beach on the Jersey Shore as he was trying to meet a young teen girl for sex. Very graphic conversation, as I recall. So it was not the same Dwayne Chisholm. But thank you. And thanks for listening, Colin. And there will be many more cases to come and many more projects. This next question is one that I really take to heart because it really addresses how 
the predator investigations, as well as many of the other investigations I've done over the last 40 years, impact my personal life, especially when it involves parenting. And it comes from Colin Dyer. And this is what he wants to know. Hey, Chris, huge fan of the show. I just had a question for you. So I know that you yourself are a parent. I was wondering with all the work that you do, working so in-depth with pedophiles and child predators, do you find that your work has influenced your own experience with raising children? For instance, did you find yourself more suspicious of the other adults in their lives? Do you find yourself more protective or maybe even paranoid about your children's safety? Maybe did you monitor their phone or computer communications more closely? And overall, do you feel like your work has affected your own experience with raising children? And if so, how? Again, huge fan of the podcast and the show. Keep them coming. Thank you again. That's a very, very thoughtful question. And it impacts me on a couple of different levels. I grew up in a home where I was the oldest child and I was given a pretty long leash as a kid. We lived in Chicago and at the age of eight, I was sent up to do errands on Milwaukee Avenue and get carry out food and, you know, walked around unbothered and nobody was too worried about what I was doing from when I left the apartment to when I got home. Clearly, we know more about the teachers out there than we did in 1968 when I was eight years old. And being a reporter and covering crimes and seeing the worst things that human beings can do to one another, and specifically to children, does shape you. I mean, I remember, and I don't know why this particular case sticks out, but in my first year as a reporter for Channel 7 Action News in Detroit, there was a case where a parent or a step-parent, I don't recall exactly which, punished a two-year-old child for wetting the bed. And the punishment was putting this child in an actual clothes washer, in a washing machine, and the child died. And I was so taken aback by this as a 25-year-old reporter, and I wasn't a parent at the time. I'm just so shocked that I never, ever forgot it. And then to see so many other things, and then obviously to get involved in the predator investigations. And we've done stories overseas, child slave labor in India, human drug testing in India, child sex slaves being held for prostitution in Cambodia. And things that really, really impact you and leave their mark along the way. But by the time I was doing the predator investigations, my sons, who are now adults, were pretty much already in uh, high school, middle school, high school. And yes, they had phones and they had computer access. And I watched them pretty closely. But I don't think I worried too much about the people in their lives. And maybe they had a protected environment. I mean, I was always careful because of being a, a public figure to not expose them to danger or to put them in a position where they could be targeted. I think if you ask them, the main impact of having me as a father would be my uncanny ability to conduct a cross-examination when they 
violated the rules or acted up instead of uh, the normal what happened and what went wrong. I would make them have a seat in the kitchen at the banquette and start my inquiry. And I think if they were honest at the time, they would probably say they would have rather been physically abused or beaten than uh, have to undergo the uh, withering cross-examination. But I did always get into the truth for the most part. But in terms of computer predators and online predators, I think that they saw enough from the stories that they were out of the danger zone in terms of age in vulnerability by the time I was in the middle of the predator investigation. Now it impacted them in, in terms of, you know, we'd be on a subway someplace and one of the kids would say, is that kind of predator? What do you think that guy's up to it? You know, they, they always would ask. And now both of them are, are journalists themselves. My oldest is uh, behind the scenes camera production for crime shows and uh, commercials and films. And then the youngest is actually a television reporter himself. Very successful, very good, better than I was at that age in his own right. So it does shape you as a parent and it does impact you being protected. And I know with my stepkids who are in college, one son and one daughter, often the joke is, well, don't tell Chris everything because he'll, he'll have too many stories, too many cautionary tales and joking with it. I mean, I think they appreciate my insight into these things. But, you know, fortunately, my two stepkids and, and my two children were not in that vulnerable zone. And that doesn't make them immune to danger online. The same rules apply. And I think those rules basically start with you shouldn't be talking to somebody online and giving away personal information if you don't know that person in real life. And even younger than that, I think it starts with, look, there are adults online who like to trick kids. You're a kid. Don't get tricked. But I think it starts there. And I think monitoring is important. Again, if you don't put them in an environment where they can be approached by adults, and we saw a lot of this during the pandemic, you can you know, eliminate half the problem right there. But it does shape you, and it does make you a little suspicious. I can tell you one grown-up story. I took my oldest son to Las Vegas on a sheet right when he turned 21, nine years ago. And he had never been there before, and so we went to the blackjack table, and we camels a little bit. We had some good dinners and a couple drinks, and and he went on the shoot with me, and he pitched in and, and worked. And, and that evening, we were at one of the restaurants or bars or clubs in the in the hotel where we were staying and, and a fellow recognized me, you know, probably nine or 10 years older than my son, a young adult, very professionally dressed. And he had invited my son to go part of him. And, and the fellow who, again, seemed like a, a super nice guy who was involved in a family business. And there was some sort of a trade show in, in Las Vegas he was attending, was a fan of in my work. And he took an interest in my 21-year-old son, not in a creepy or weird way, but just something about it was... I don't know that he needed to be running around Las Vegas. Maybe I'm just being overprotective or was being overprotective at the time. And, and I sort of discouraged him going out at the time. Maybe I just didn't want to have to lay awake at night wondering where he was at three o'clock in the morning or where they were going. And maybe I cheated my son out of a fun night. I don't know. But there's an example of just being perhaps a little overprotective. And now they're adults. Now 
they're running their own lives. And I think I did a pretty good job. And I think their mother did a good job as well. And we're all very close. And I am very fortunate to be close with my stepkids as well. So uh, I'm a lucky man when it comes to uh, that part of my life, as well as so many others. But thank you for the question. Thank you for all the questions. I really, truly enjoy interacting with these questions. And they're great audio questions. But I promise you, the next time we do this, we'll take some written questions as well. Because I know not everybody can record their question. They're all important. So I encourage you to keep sending to me here at Chris at PredatorPodcast.com. You can find me on Cameo, YouTube, have a seat with Chris Hansen, Patreon, Chris Hansen has a seat. That's where Gabriel gets to run the show a little bit. Obviously on all social media, Discovery Plus, more TV projects coming. And as always, I'll be watching and listening.